This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. In 2019, six Democratic Socialists joined the Chicago City Council. And after the February municipal elections, all of them are here to stay. With a growing number of new faces and young alder people joining the mix, it poses the question, will progressive aldermen have more support on their side to continue addressing their top issues? My colleague Mike Puente was recently in the Reset host chair, and he sat down with two of these reps. He talked to Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa of the 35th Ward on the city's northwest side. That covers parts of Logan Square, Avondale, Albany Park, and other neighborhoods. He also talked to Alderman Andre Vasquez of the 40th Ward, representing Lincoln Square, Andersonville, Rogers Park, and other parts of the city's north side. Are you still having to sort of explain to people what a democratic socialist is? Does that, is that off-putting for some, or is there still an education that needs to go there? You know, I think when I first ran in 2015, there were definitely a lot of people that were saying, um, what does it mean to be a socialist? I did not run as an open socialist in 2015, um, but in 2016, when I did run for democratic committee person, I ran as a democratic socialist. And of course, that was the same cycle that Bernie Sanders ran. Uh, and got a ton of votes uh, all across the U.S. as an open democratic socialist president for uh, presidential candidate. Um, increasingly, more and more people in my community are identifying as democratic socialists. Um, and I think that for them, it means having a government that is truly of, by, and for the people, a government that prioritizes the needs of working people, particularly those that are uh, in most need, uh, and a government that stands up to rich and powerful special interests, which too often uh, use their money and power and influence to buy government uh, and to ensure that their interests come first before the common good. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think um, mm-hmm. it's a healthy conversation to have. You know, it's like asking somebody what a Democrat is. I think in Chicago, you've got a degree of spectrum there as well. And I think when people have an understanding that we kind of agree on the same concepts, whether one identifies as socialist or not, that uh, if we put our resources together, we can yield better outcomes. That's what government fundamentally is. And so I think having that conversation with our neighbors, there's a lot of agreement there. And I think it helps us continue to move our city forward. Well, Alderman Vasquez, something we have to get into as well as you're no longer part of the Democratic Socialist Caucus. Can you tell us why that is? Yeah, no, I think uh, it's the conversations we all need to have that are healthy ones, right? So I think when we were first kind of putting it all together, um, really what felt like where there might have been um, different perspectives is the idea of voting as a block uh, when sometimes we may agree on a goal but may, may not always agree on strategy. And so I think that led to us having a healthy conversation on what that means. Um, but I think when you look at how we vote on things, you, when we have to support each other, um, that doesn't change. And it's also about figuring out what our relationship is with socialist organizations in the city as well as our own constituencies. And so I think uh, as we're watching the growth happen, you're going to see the same solidarity and more uh, in the coming years. Yeah, and I'll add mm-hmm. all six of us, um, mm-hmm. so the six incumbents that were just reelected, we were all in the 46th ward supporting Angela Clay 
just this past weekend. Right. Um, so even though um, we don't always necessarily caucus together, there is a clear sense of unity, a clear sense of purpose. And I'm really hopeful that with the election of Angela Clay and with the start of this new term, we'll go from five that are formally in the caucus to seven. Lucky number seven, right? <laughs> Do you all have to agree sort of on the same base level platform things or there's there areas for either like disagreements or just collaboration? I, I think um, we all agree on the Chicago we want to see and the world we want to live in. I think we have to have healthy dialogue about the different perspectives we all have, and we are having it. Um, so I, I think that any organ, any movement that wants to grow, and it, we are one that is growing, is one that understands the value of coalition. And when you're building coalition, what that means to me is you have people in your organization that may not all agree on everything, but we have a large agreement on shared goals and how to reach them. And if you do that and keep expanding that out, you grow into an even larger movement, which is what brought some of us here, right? Bernie being able mm -hmm. to articulate um, all the different things and inequities we have to fight is something that has appeal, not appeal, but it's an experience we all have. And so being able to come together to find solutions, we're going to always continue doing that. Alderman Ramirez Rosa, how are you feeling post-election? Does it take a little weight off your chest knowing that a runoff is, is not in your future? <laughs> well, you know, in 2019, um, I was outspent three to one. Uh, and we won with more votes than we won in 2015. And it was uh, people power that made the difference. It was a coalition of neighbors rooted in our community, going door to door, talking to people about the decision that had to be made uh, in that election. This cycle, I actually ran on a post. Um, and I think wow. it's a testament to the work that we've been doing on the ground. And Andre Vasquez uh, did phenomenal. What percent did you get? 79 percent right 79 percent. And you had two, three opponents? Uh, two opponents. I'm, I'm trying to get to where you are, though, my friend. <laughs> Unopposed is better. But I think I think. The work that, that we've done, and Carlos has obviously led on it and brought us, right? Um, when I was not in council, we would watch what Carlos would do and look at how that's grown. So seeing that the people on the ground that, that don't identify with us and that do support the work that we're doing and support our, our, our leadership because it's grounded in movement is something we're going to continue growing. And um, I think it's good that we both currently aren't in runoffs because we got to make sure we have to get a uh, mayor elected, which is what we're here to do. Yeah. And I think we're all very intentional, right, in saying that we are democratic socialists, right? I think in the history of the U.S., oftentimes when we think of socialism or communism, we think of authoritarian governments. Mm -hmm. But in the U.S. democratic socialist, um, you know, organizing heritage, we always talk about the need to be democratic, to empower the people, to make sure that they are the ones that have the reins of government. And so in our communities, we do that through participatory budgeting. So making sure that the $1.5 that aldermen allocate each year is done in an inclusive, transparent process. Right. We do that through community-driven zoning. So aldermen have a lot of power over what gets built in their community. And in the wards that are led by democratic socialists, we have processes that have been pointed to as the alternative, as the antidote to aldermanic prerogative, making sure that it's the community in a true, robust fashion that's making these decisions that are going to impact uh, their neighborhood for generations to come. So I think it's that emphasis on having a democratic participatory project in our community that really leads to the success that we just saw. That's spot on, because it actually compels us to have to talk to people we don't agree fully with to mm -hmm. talk about our ideas, to gain that consensus. And so it is very grounded in that process. So uh, 100%. Right. So when the Get Stuff Done pack, you know, this pack funded by, uh, you know, billionaires and big corporations comes along and starts to spend crazy amounts of money targeting some of our members, the community says, well, I reject that because I know my socialist. I know my democratic socialist older person. They're the person that's on my block, knocking my door, taking care of the bread and butter issues that impact our community and making sure that I have a truly responsive government uh, that I know I can trust. Mm -hmm.
Well, there's going to be a lot of new faces joining the, the, the city council. Alderman Vasquez, how do you feel about that? I love it. I mean, I think, you know, as somebody who was born and raised here in the city with an understanding of what the council has been um, and what a mayor has been able to lord over. I mean, thankfully, that trend is, is shifting away from that to have new council members, new experiences, new ideas, new colleagues to get work done with is something we're excited about because I think you're seeing the development of what is a healthy and independent council. We just want to make sure that we do it in a way that the old kind of dynamics aren't trying to congeal their power. And we make sure that we have a transparent, functioning and accountable government just as we do in each of our wards. We recently interviewed Alderperson Jesse Fuentes of the 26th Ward. You know, they're the youngest Alderperson to represent that word. And we could also see Timmy Knudsen, also 32, representing the 43rd Ward. Alderman Ramirez Rosa, you were once the youngest Alderman in Chicago. What do you think about seeing younger folks entering their Aldermanic positions? Yeah, I think regardless of an individual's age, as long as there's a realization that we need to change the way that things have occurred at City Hall. For too long, uh, you know, we had a system where aldermen deferred to the mayor and whatever the mayor put before them, they just rubber stamped. Uh, that's what led to the parking meter privatization, privatization <laughs> deal that caused so much harm in the city of Chicago. That's what led to the closure of our public mental health clinics under Rahm Emanuel. We need an independent city council that represents the interests of Chicagoans, uh, that brings checks and balances to City Hall. Um, we need a city council that works collaboratively to advance our shared concerns in our community. So I think that we have seen an increase in the number of older people that are committed to good governance, that are committed to doing the work, reading ordinances, drafting ordinances, meeting with policy experts, meeting with the people in their community, and then putting forward bold local solutions to the issues that we face as a city. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think you mentioned the parking meter deal. We were able to slow down a ComEd deal that could have had not equal impact, but similar impact to the city of Chicago. And that is because we have alders who are willing to speak up and speak out, right? We had a bodily autonomy ordinance to make the city a welcoming city that one of our colleagues and comrades drafted, and Carlos as well, to make sure that we're independent, we're coming up with these ideas independent of a mayor. And sometimes the mayors then have to come along and do their executive order or try to ratify work that we're doing, which I think is healthy for a government and is what you want to see in your municipal government. Is there a sort of a, a learning curve um, that you have to, I mean, how long does it take to learn all just all the nuances of being an alder person? Well, you know, when I came in, um, there was a training led by Alderman Ed Burke. Uh, this was prior to his indictment. And uh, to be quite honest, it was not the most helpful training. Um, and then I got to work with my staff and we had a lot of questions about, you know, how do you get a pothole fix? How do you make sure that you are properly reviewing a, a zoning change that's being brought to you? And what I realized was that every older person had a different answer to the basic questions. Um, so what we have done is, is work collaboratively as democratic socialist older people, as progressive older people to support each other, um, to figure out, you know, how can we be more effective for our constituents? Um, I do think that more work has to be done, and I'm really happy that some of the uh, current freshman uh, progressive alder people uh, are now talking about how can we help the incoming uh, freshman progressive alder people, like alderwoman Jesse Fuentes, like alderwoman Julia Ramirez, um, and others that we hope will join us after April 4th. Uh, how do we really make sure that they're set up for success? And so we are talking about setting up our own uh, training program and initiative to really make sure that these incoming freshmen are really prepared uh, to, um, you know, represent their communities very well. Yeah, well, what I'll add to that is somebody who got elected in 2019. Um, for us, uh, 
it was one pandemic, actually, having to learn how to run government, uh, right? We, we came in inheriting nothing. We had one year where we kind of felt like our legs were underneath us. We're developing a groove in leadership. Then we got hit with a pandemic and had to figure out how to deal with emergency situations 24-7, people needing to find housing, people needing to pay their bills, right? Refugees coming in, um, really setting up the support system, getting our people vaccinated, that I think having gone through that experience and having to learn through it to make sure our people are okay um, gave us a lot of skill sets that I think will translate over to the new uh, colleagues that are coming in. And, and to Carlos's point, because every ward does it somewhat differently, there's such an amazing opportunity for skill sharing across mm-hmm. all our offices to make even better government that lead to better results for the taxpayers. Alderman Vasquez, we, we talked a lot uh, on, on the reset about new aldermen joining the city council. Something we've talked about a lot uh, is the years of institutional knowledge that could be lost with the turnovers of more than a dozen longtime alder people. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think... I look at it from an optimistic standpoint. I think what you also end up losing is a lot of the clout, a lot of these ideas that seniority leads to, to more power, more leadership. I think you actually understand that the people that are coming into council are people with ideas. And I'll, I'll just say this is not exclusive to government. If you're in any kind of organization, you want to seek to improve things. There's institutional knowledge, but if you're not being self-critical and finding ways to improve constantly, you don't end up serving the people you'd like to. And so I, um, I think that even if people do leave the council, there are plenty of them that we have relationships with that are amazing colleagues, um, whether they're remaining in council or some of the ones that are leaving, that we can continue to build and organize with, right? I mean, the, the aldermanic role ultimately in some regard is a name tag, right? Just because right. somebody's not in council doesn't mean they're not brilliant and they're not people that we can learn from. Uh, Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa, what you what you're thinking about that, losing all that institutional knowledge? Well, you know, I think that... Um, it's good to have change, um, particularly in a city with the challenges like ours. We need fresh new ideas. Um, we need people who really want to take the reins of government and say, we're going to go in a different direction uh, that's more equitable, uh, that really makes Chicago uh, work for everyone. Um, I think that too often some of our older colleagues were stuck in the ways that things were. Um, they, I was literally told when I first became an older person in 2015 that I wasn't there to solve big problems, uh, to just vote on whatever the mayor put in front of me, and then to focus exclusively on the things in my ward. And I think that that system has led to major issues becoming even worse because we need to have a council. We need to have 50 people bringing 50 ideas, hashing out a compromise, and then moving an agenda forward uh, that's really going to work for the city of Chicago. So I'm excited uh, to see uh, the amount of uh, new people that will be coming in. I think that's going to provide new opportunities. I also think from a realistic standpoint, what that means is that um, the council is going to have to stand up a little bit more because if you have bureaucrats, and no offense to bureaucrats, they do a very important job. But if you have bureaucrats that have been there, you know, 20, 30 years, and then you have elected representatives who have only come in now for the first time, uh, the first year out of four years, oftentimes that means that the bureaucrats will be telling the elected officials what to do. And I've seen this in city councils all across the nation. We work with many of our counterparts in New York, Los Angeles, uh, different cities, and they tell us consistently that oftentimes the elected officials have to fight to say, actually, I was elected to implement this agenda. I understand that you've been here and you've worked in this role as a city official or a city bureaucrat for a very long time, uh, but we need uh, you to work with us to get this done. So I think the council's going to have to be really strong to move forward our agenda. Yeah, and, and I'll say to that, 
I think there's also people in these departments that have fresh new ideas that have long felt like they are going unheard. Right. And so to be able to have a healthy leadership that listens to some of those folks to be able to get work done is something you want to see in government. I'll also say this um, Mm -hmm. with a, a lot of love and respect. Right. Like we are in some regard that institutional help. Right. Like when Carlos was there before we showed up, Carlos is the one that helped us become better legislators, be able to learn how to lobby, have conversations with everyone. Right. He, he was able to, which I thought was really amazing to go from like the lone uh, socialist voice in council mm-hmm. and having to, to scream that loud when you're the lone, lone voice to really sit back and watch us develop and then provide advice, help us grow. And so I think that institutional help is there um, and will continue to be. And it doesn't mean that you want people to to be there so long that it calcifies. And I think this is really healthy for Chicago. Well, let's get to some of the issues. Alderman Ramirez Rosa, there have, have there been any shifts uh, to the top issues for progressive city council members like yourself? You know, we have accomplished a lot these past four years. It hasn't been without a fight. Uh, it has required a lot of coalition building, both inside of government and outside of government, fighting hand in hand with the grassroots. Uh, we made Chicago a true sanctuary for undocumented immigrants. Uh, we amended the welcoming city ordinance so that no one, uh, so no city official, but particularly the Chicago police, could work with ICE to deport our residents. No one should be afraid to call 911. That was a huge accomplishment of progressive older people working with the grassroots. We made Chicago a uh, sanctuary for abortion care and gender affirming care. That was an issue that was brought forward by Alderwoman Rosana Rodriguez working with the grassroots. We got that done. We also brought about the Empowering Communities for Public Safety Ordinance, which just led to the historic election of 66 district councilors across the city of Chicago to make sure real community voice uh, in policing and public safety. Um, We won a significant investment in the city's public mental health clinics, reversing a decade-long trend where the city continued to disinvest in our public mental health clinics, and we believe that we are now on track to finally reopen some of those mental health clinics. Um, Unfortunately, Mayor Lightfoot said that she was going to be our ally in a lot of these fights and in getting a lot of these ordinances done. Then she took office, reversed course, and we had to fight her consistently to move forward this progressive agenda. But I think that if you look at what we have accomplished this past term, um, these have been very challenging fights, but they have been very worthwhile, and they're improving the lives of every single Chicagoan. And I think now we have some additional work to get done. We have to really make sure that we're reopening those public mental health clinics. Alderwoman Rosana Rodriguez has been on this show a number of times mm-hmm. to talk about the treatment, not trauma proposal. So I think that's on the top of the list. Mayor Lightfoot said that she was going to work with homeless advocates to pass the Bring Chicago Home Ordinance to make sure that we were funding necessary services and getting people into permanent housing, which is the solution to homelessness. The mayor broke her promise there. I think now we have an opportunity with an increase in the progressives and primarily if we get a true progressive mayor like Brandon Johnson into office to finally pass this ordinance. So we have had success over the past four years. And I think that with the number of new progressives coming into council, we're going to have more success for them over the next four. Yeah, I, th- I think to add to that, you know, what, you, what we were able to do in this first term, and, and I do understand that the executive branch has its own pushback, right? But it allowed us to be healthy and independent as a council. When the federal money came to Chicago, uh, I don't think people understand that a mayor would normally be able to just write that check to wherever they wanted. But having us as a council there to actually do the homework, right? We introduced um, an independent or, uh, budget ordinance. And then uh, one of our colleagues, also Democratic Socialist, Daniel Laspada and his team put together like an emergency draft of what funds could look like, right? We were able to get that moving. I think going forward, we want to make sure that every Chicagoan has a public transportation system that's reliable, that is safe, that we're bringing in, uh, you know, transportation boards to account for it, that we make sure we're hiring at the levels we need to because Chicagoans need to get home, they need to get to work, and they can't wait on inefficient systems because that will ruin your whole city. So I think there's a lot of work to do, and we're happy to take it on with an ally on the fifth floor. 
Well, sticking with you, Alderman Vasquez, we'll be voting for a new mayor in a little over two weeks. What do you think working under, say, a Vallis administration could look like? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we, we experienced something similar, I would say, in our first term it, as having somebody who may not always want a partner. I think it'll give us more opportunity to organize as a council. I think that with more of our more progressive uh new folks coming in, you're going to see what it looks like to actually organize. Uh, You know, there might be some few things that we may agree on, but more likely than not, we're going to have to see an even healthier, more independent council that does things. And you'll probably see more progressives, more socialists working together to get that done. But we can always avert that multiverse reality by making sure Brandon Johnson is our next mayor so we can actually move us forward and propel us in a way that we need to be moving after a pandemic to make sure we have a better stronger and safer Chicago. Well, Alderman Ramirez, but also you mentioned your support for Brandon Johnson, but what if Paul Ballas gets in there? Will you be able to work with him? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really scared uh, what happens if Paul Ballas is elected. I think that, um, you know, if you look at his track record, uh, he has caused a lot of harm to public institutions um, in the Chicago public schools. He underfunded our pensions. Uh, he canceled an LGBTQ inclusivity training. Um, he um, went on to Philadelphia public schools, left an $80 million budget deficit, uh, then said, well, actually, I don't know how to fix it, but still give me a big payout bonus. And I'm also going to go on trips funded uh, by uh, no bid contractors. Um If you look at what he did in New Orleans, he closed a third of the schools there, um, and they now rank amongst the worst in the nation. So I think he has a record of financial mismanagement. He kind of reminds me a bit about Bruce Rauner. You know, Bruce Rauner ran for governor, and he said some liberal things. He said some progressive things, but he was also playing footsie with the right wing. And as soon as he came into office, he started pursuing this extreme agenda that put him at odds with the vast majority of Illinoisans, with the vast majority of Chicagoans, and we lost four years as a state. And we're now so grateful for J.B. Pritzker for Mm. coming in and fixing that mess. But I'm really fearful of what will happen if Paul Vallis. I think he will come in with his same failed policies and strategies. He's basically already said that he's going to be cutting city services left and right. So I think we need a uniter. I think we need someone with uh, democratic values like Brandon Johnson who will bring our city together and pursue the progressive policies that we all want to see. If you look at the Treatment Not Trauma proposal, it is wildly popular. Voters were asked if they supported the Treatment Not Trauma proposal in a number of wards via non-binding referendums. Overwhelmingly, they said, yes, we want to reopen the mental health clinics and have non-police first responders go out and respond to non-violent mental health calls. Um, If you look at the polling for Treatment Not Trauma, it was recently included in a poll by IZQ Strategies. Uh, And again, it was a very extremely popular program. If you look at the polling for the Bring Chicago Home proposal, again, extremely popular Um, So I think that Chicagoans, like all major American cities, we have progressive liberal values and we want a mayor that matches those progressive liberal values. And I think that, you know, electing Paul Vallis, potentially we could see four years of progressives fighting against the worst of his extreme agenda, his ability. He's going to try and cut city services. He's going to try and, you know, give no bid contracts to his friends the way that he has in the past. And and I'm just really fearful that we'll lose four years. I think that's a point we need to make sure that every voter out there, because I'm sure there's people who are just starting to do their homework or they're kind of they're justifiably concerned about public safety. And so when you're when you're in that kind of state, people can tell you whatever you want to hear to get your vote. What we've seen with Paul Vallis is he will 
present himself as an expert. He'll do the talk track, gut your institutions, leave you with a deficit, collect his check, and then you have to pay for it later. You want your taxes to continue going sure. up? Watch what happens when your government is eroded, and that is what he's done. We don't need him to do it again. Well, unfortunately, we got to leave the conversation right there. I wish we could have longer time. We've been chatting with Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa of the 35th Ward and Alderman Andre Vasquez of the 40th Ward. Thank you for both for being here today on Reset. Yeah, no, thank, thank you. This episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Micah Yason and edited by Stephanie Kim and Ethan Schwab. Join us back here this afternoon for more of the show. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.